Welcome to True Nature Radio. I'm Lori Regan. And I'm Heiner Fruhoff. We've been in the process of talking about the organ networks from Chinese medicine. Last week we finished with the heart and today we continue with the small intestine organ network. What's the main theme of the small intestine? Well, uh, to just remind our listeners briefly, we we are going through a series of archetypes uh, that are we hopefully can teach you how to recognize in yourself and and the people who closest to you, and then how to best work uh, with to promote the physiological functions of that and to prevent pathology in those networks. Um, the small intestine is an often overlooked network, uh, including in Chinese medicine, but it's supremely important because it is the fu organ network that, that is the assistant or the uh, executive branch of the Zhang organ network we discussed last time, namely the heart. So the heart as the most important head of government of the body-mind-spirit complex that we call the human humanity, um, had the mission statement of being in unity in everything we do, we say, and we think. And but the everyday reality of choosing at every moment of executing that unity, of making the right decision in every moment to say the right thing, to think the right thing, and to do the right thing, that would then be to the small uh, intestine network. And that is not a small task because, uh, as we had said at the end last time, is that the heart's job is to be in unity, but... And that might be a reason why the heart, the symbol for the heart in every culture is not just a circle, but is sort of a heart-shaped, what we look upon as the heart-shaped symbol, which is really something that is broken up in two parts. And so our human ability to have free will uh, includes to make the wrong choice. And therefore, uh, our potential for uh, sacredness and being a holy person, or in Asia you would say uh, a Buddha, um, uh, resides there, but also our uh, potential to be a ghost, to be a demon uh, resides there, to be completely living in the realm of separation and selfishness. Makes me think of the, the phrase, the devil's in the details. So the small intestine is a lot about making those choices, choices that we make about even very mundane things, right? Absolutely, yes. And the topic of ethics and morality and uh, certain kind of uh, things, you know, decisions that have sort of high, including religious values, they would be included here. Mm-hmm. So let's let's flesh out. Actually, <laughs> didn't intend for that to be so um, directed. We did talk in the past about the heart not having flesh radical, not having part of the character that actually means flesh, that the heart exists in an energetic or more spiritual realm. Small intestine, on the other hand, does have a flesh radical, does have a more material presence. And um, why don't you give us some insight Yeah, into that? just for explanation, what Laurie is talking about is the, the so-called radical is the part of a Chinese character that gives the main meaning of something. And, um, yeah, the small intestine is called xiaochang in Chinese, and quite literally it means 
the power of the sun that is withdrawing back into the earth. So the large intestine was da chang, the, the, the power of the rising sun that is coming out of the earth and that is agriculturally warming everything in springtime and generating the material world, whereas now we are in the, the, the what the Chinese call the small intestine power is the function of the body-mind-spirit complex that mimics the the, the forces that are existent in the six months of the year, approximately July 5th to August 5th in nature, and that is the time after the summer solstice when nature is withdrawing within itself. So the main topic that we will have here is to take yourself back, to put your light under a bushel. Uh, so in, in a nutshell, we can say right here, what is what does it mean to be a good person? What does it mean uh, to make the right choice is taking yourself back, taking the voices of the ego that we've been talking so much about back and letting your higher self come to the forefront and rule from that spiritual center of yours, from that unity center that every human being has inside of them. So in this way, the small intestine is the first organ network then in charge of carrying out the mission of the heart. Is that a right way to say it? Yes. I mean, we were saying earlier it's classified as a Fu organ, and Fu mm -hmm. can mean lots of things, but from my perspective, the most important translation is government. So it's executive branch of uh, the heart, which is had the, the mission statement of living in sacred space, of creating holistic thinking and being, uh, uh, and now we are in the executive branch. So on that um, track, let's talk a little bit about the specific archetype and how it would manifest in a human being in their life. What kind of jobs or what kind of, um, what would you pick as being the character or the nature of somebody who represents this function strongly in their in, in being? five-element terms, the small intestine, just like the heart itself, is a fire organ. And fire types always are leaders. So, um, you know, maybe Barack Obama is uh, a typical fire type and maybe uh, even a small intestine type there. Um, is sort of like uh, very often those are more... Um, skinnier people actually uh, that have a tendency to have smaller heads with uh, pronounced features that's how they are described in ancient books um, uh, but that are very ambitious and driven to lead and uh, interestingly the animal symbol that the Chinese have picked to represent the force of the six months and therefore indirectly also the small intestine typology is the goat and uh, goats are herd animals, but they are always they follow a leader. You know, so goats are good leaders, but they're also good followers, and they combine that both in themselves. And so, the 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 type here, the archetype for the small intestine, are leader types who, in the positive sense, are deeply surrendered to a universal mission like listening um, from a moral, ethical, or uh, some people would also say spiritual or religious perspective, they are surrendered 
in that they're listening to the voice of the universe, or some people might say the voice of God, rather than their own egotistical voices that live inside there. You know, what's good for me? What's the bottom line? But what what is good for the community that I'm serving here? And everybody's familiar with the fact that goats always seek the highest ground as well, right? You have a a can or a car or a bench or a table out there, the goat's going to go to the highest place. Yes, goats seek out the highest places, and small intestine types, they always want to be at the top of the pack. Uh, and But then goats also have this uh, thing that when you see, it almost moves you to tears, is that they, some people would say for anatomical reasons, but the Chinese, they when they observed that in ancient times, they saw that sort of of an epitome of the moral virtue that the sheep and the goat is embodying, namely that when the goat is drinking as a a child from the udder of his or her mother, it kneels down uh, in order to do that. So it is sort of the embodiment of the virtue of xiao or filial piety of honoring your mother as you drink from her teat. And uh, the same thing of why... Uh, we talking about sacrificial lambs is that in ancient times when the most valuable thing that you could give back to the forces in the universe that created you in the first place was human sacrifice. You know, that wasn't a barbaric thing, but that was sort of what is the most valuable thing that I can give? And then, of course, later that became more and more uh, considered to be cruel and people would start using animal sacrifice to replace that, but then even that was considered to be cruel and replaced with vegetable sacrifice or in modern times just time sacrifice by taking a moment before you eat to pray or go to church or the temple on Sunday morning. But um, uh, the among the animal sacrifices uh, to the present day, of course, uh, the goat or the lamb was considered to be more culturally acceptable, particularly in Islam, because uh, the goat and the lamb are one of the few animals who have, because of this internal taking oneself back instinct, um, they don't, they stand in line while you slit their throats, which no other animal will do. And therefore, um, because of this physiological feature, it has become to symbolize in the Asian context everything that is good and beautiful and true. Uh, so many Chinese words like mei for beauty or shen for goodness or yi for selflessness, they have as the main part of the word the character for goat or lamb in it. I find that a lot of people react to the word surrender or sacrifice and thinking that that's the opposite of what you want to do in today's world. You want to get ahead. You want to get to the top. You want to be um, empowered. You want to be ambitious and not necessarily in a negative way, but just to to really fulfill your, fulfill your life. But this more ancient idea is suggesting that the highest mission, therefore, the highest action as you're saying, is to take yourself back. In other words, to sacrifice your own individual need, your own ego expression, in order to be able to manifest the deep, authentic expression of who you really are at heart. Exactly. From an ancient perspective, 
the more responsibility do you have for the community, the more cultivated of a person you should be and the less interested in your own profit and benefit you should be. And uh, this is indeed such that um, uh, there is a big conflict um, in terms of times, how modern people think, where everything is about the bottom line for ourselves in comparison how ancient people think. But I must say, as a world traveler and as somebody having grown up in the quote-unquote old world of Europe, um, the, most of the places that I've lived, uh, other than the United States in my lifetime, uh, it is at least from a masking perspective, at least from an outward performance perspective, it is looked upon as something that is good manners if you take yourself back. Certainly in, in, in Germany where I grew up and, and then in China nowadays, even though that is uh, probably the most materialistic uh, society on the planet right now, outwardly, particularly in first-time encounters, uh, taking yourself back uh, is looked upon as uh, that is somebody who's got a good education. And... Um, um, it is, I think, one of the biggest problems in American everyday life that we see uh, this constant, um, while societal controls are tighter than in other places um, and lawsuits are lobbed more quickly, but and punishment will be administrated uh, swiftly and equitably, but that it's considered to be normal that when a particularly, you know, maybe not so much in the political realm, but that CEOs are leading their companies in the process, uh, gutting their companies and uh, enriching themselves. And that is, in ancient times, would have been unthinkable. The, the, the true leader in ancient times was considered to be um, somebody who you don't even, things are happening without the leader even appearing. Uh, so that is, uh, was and the reason why we explore ancient times to just remind ourselves and our listeners, again, is not because we want to anthropologically or historically, uh, you know, go back into some, some lost uh, fantasy there, but it's the classical time, meaning it, ancient people explore timeless human values. And we are Things have changed, but we're still the same people, and we need the same things in order to be healthy and happy. Yeah, it makes me think of, to bring it into another modern example, um, Jim Collins' book, Good to Great, talks about they did a, an assessment of the companies that went from being good companies to being great companies and maintained that for 25 years. The number one characteristic of those companies is that they had a type of leader who was selfless, a type of leader who was willing to not be sort of at, um, how do I express this, not, not being in the limelight, not being the charismatic leader that comes in from the outside, but usually a leader that grows up from within and does not have a high profile, does not make themselves the central focus of things, but is, is then willing to sacrifice willing to do what it takes to um, accomplish the highest goal, the highest um, benefit for for the company. Yeah, and, and coming back to this uh, topic uh, of surrender 
and sacrifice and filial piety, all of which the goat exemplifies and um, which modern people tend to be allergic to, all it means is that making the right decision is very often not the easy choice, but it's the hard choices. And the more cultivated a person is, the easier it is to make these choices and feel the joy and the reward and the true, uh, yeah, the true joy, actually, you know, the fire emotion in Chinese medicine is uh, joy, even ecstasy. So saying that the true reward, and more so than monetary rewards, is this affection that the community will give back to you. And more importantly, uh, the rightness you feel in your heart and the resonance that you have with your universal mandate that you're doing right uh, with what you were given. And there's no greater happiness than that. Great. So we've been talking about the spiritual level, mental, emotional level. Let's go to the physical level and talk about the small intestine function in the body. Yes, uh, this is very interesting because the small intestine in Chinese medicine has something, is it so-called taiyang organ, and taiyang uh, has, um, is taiyang called water, which means it is uh, something that together with a bladder is setting boundaries. So... Um, technically speaking, if the small intestine is working well, I'm now talking about the anatomical small intestine, then it should be like a plastic container where things go in and then there is a choosing function. Just like ethically we choose, this is the right choice, this is the bad choice. And even in the uh, slime of everyday life, you're able to to pick out the pearls and see the goodness in it. So that is the job that the small intestine, anatomically speaking, has in the body, that there is a certain kind of dirty sludge coming toward it, and it has to pick out what is useful for the body and leave what is not useful for it hermetically sealed and then inside of that tube and, and pass it on to the large intestine and be excreted without having any harm done. And there's... Uh, both you and I as being uh, physicians uh, in the field of alternative medicine get a lot of people with food allergies and they are allergic to everything. They're allergic to the world, they're allergic to other people, and they are allergic to the food that they take in. And uh, it particularly, particularly affects the head since the small intestine channel ends up at the ear. So people, they start becoming hard of hearing and, and got uh, headaches and uh, muddled thinking, etc. And that all comes when things are, when that boundary of the anatomical small intestine becomes more translucent and you have things passing through there because the small intestine probably is inflamed. Uh, and then um, the, your body starts reacting, overreacting, that's what an allergy is, an overreaction to these things that have no business being inside of the body. And then um, your cognitive ability to lead, to make the right choices is affected. So you have a lot of people out there that eat bad food, that have uh, inflamed intestines, but much more importantly as a result of it, their cognitive and their ethical ability is being affected. And so this is one of my big concerns of um, the American diet, especially, where we're moving more and more into that direction of corporate food and genetic engineering and 
pesticides and uh, fertilizers and things like that because those are things that contribute to weakening uh, the small intestine function. And it is not just a matter of having then poor digestion and more gas, but it will affect the gene pool or the cognitive quality of the American people as a whole. Yeah, there's, I mean, it's very interesting if you look at the symbolism of the goat in that regard as well. Another characteristic of the goat as that we're all familiar with is that goat can eat anything, the goat eating the tin can. And the symbol of that relates to the fact that, or the observation that somebody with this healthy small intestine function can eat many different things, but historically many different things meant many different things from nature. It didn't mean, as you were just pointing out, many different things that have been chemically synthesized, things that we're not meant to ingest. And so it's almost impossible, right, to maintain a healthy small intestine function in the face of the kinds of foods, the, the processed foods, the, the, you know, the trans fats, the, the kinds of things that were... This is a very interesting point because part of the... Uh, proper way of um, lowering yourself and listening to the same voices and having sort of a surrendered attitude is to take responsibility for your own mistakes. And what we see, and a lot of people have uh, compromised small intestine function, they blame it on the external food. It's certainly important, as you just pointed out, to eat healthy food, but I personally have a lot of clients that eat only organic food and mm-hmm. only this mm-hmm. and that and the other, and they terribly inflamed, and yeah. they're cog- and that is, and and it then they think they need to eat even more healthily, you know. So there is a disease name even is called orthorexic eating, and um, I uh, remember there was a, f- a famous lecture by J.R. Worsley, who by the late J.R. Worsley, who is one of the earliest people bringing acupuncture and Chinese medicine thinking to the West that was his small intestine lecture where he was always talking about the so-called vanilla slice and how happy it makes you eating this unhealthy thing. But he said if your small intestine is healthy, you you know, you absorb the one percent that's good in that Snickers bar or that vanilla slice and you throw out the unhealthy ninety-nine percent. And that's what we see a lot in modern people in within the New Age movement also that people eat uh, basically healthy food, but then their small intestine is inflamed, and then even that organic broccoli then uh, uh, misferments in your body and gives you allergies, and then you go out blaming the world outside of you, and you're always looking in the solution that is outside of you. And it's, of course, take sacrifice and courage and lead your internal uh, band of thoughts and saying, well, I'm first going to go like, you know, what is in me that is, why am I so poorly digest that? Maybe it comes because it's a vicious cycle. You know, if you, the more you blame, the weaker your digestion gets. So yes, eating bad food will make your digestion worse, but there are certain emotional postures that contribute to that as well. So blaming uh, is, is one of those things that is always bad. Uh, for the small intestine to seek the lower ground morally and ethically and take responsibility for whatever comes your way, even though it might be easy to find fault outside of you, uh, in the corporations, in your parents, in your boss, etc. 
um, the, the healthy small intestine would, no matter what, out of the sludge of life that is coming toward it, rather than saying, you're giving me a raw deal here, uh, that sucks, I am going to choose and going like, what's my part in that? And that alone is probably the biggest thing uh, that will increase our small intestine health. Now, we talked about the heart being about leading us to unity, and the small intestine in this case would carry out the mission, mission of the heart by making those choices to never see what's happening in the outside world as something truly represent or something representing true separation, right? Yes. So selecting what thoughts we're going to pay attention to, what actions we're going to carry out, including what foods we're going to eat. And it doesn't mean having a thought that's so rigid that you think this is the only way to do it, this is the right way, my way. You know, it's like being really, really discerning. Absolutely. So being conscious of what we do and say and think uh, uh, is the most important uh, job of the small intestine. Now the voice is always, how do I decide what is the right way to follow? And that is the ancient science of Gnostic cultivational practices, which is what we now all relegate to the realm of uh, religion, but they were originally in the Gnostic sense just mindfulness practices, so-called prayer, so-called meditation, so-called um, uh, chanting, uh, and, and, you know, and that is, uh, that's, for instance, what uh, in societies that are still where we're called mindfulness practices, religious practices are very much part of cultural everyday life in Bali, in Tibet, for instance, uh, you see people, they have a negative thought, they just touch their prayer beads, and they go through a round of uh, you know, Om Banjara Sado Hong in the Tibetan, or Astaghfirullah Lazim in the in the Muslim context, etc. So every culture has this kind of sacred language that makes your body vibrate with unity again, rather than in separation. So if you yourself is at the moment is emotionally in a state where you're incapable of making the right choice and you're having this tantrum and you're in the clutches. And some people are like that for years where they go like, I just don't know what to do. Just tell me what to do. And, you know, so if you, uh, the last acupuncture point uh, of the small intestine is called tinkong, which means the palace of hearing. That is the place where you listen to the voice of the universe. So if you're not hearing that voice or you're not sure what is your own egotistical voice and what is your higher self voice, then these kind of practices like meditation, prayer, and uh, very often just repetitive chanting mm -hmm. with sacred language, no matter what system it is, can break the cycle of your own uh, selfish thoughts going round and round and kind of liberate you from that. Great. So we've ended the other organ systems talking about the lifestyle choices you can make, and I think we've actually already covered a lot of those, right? We've covered the most important one being making choices about things at all levels, about what practices you're going to do on a daily basis that let you keep this awareness and this, this ability to make other choices healthy. 
your choices about what foods you eat, your choices about what thoughts you entertain, what choices about the people you interact with or the environments that you subject yourself to. Is there anything else you can think of that we should be um, just conscious of on a daily basis to keep our small intestine function healthy? Yeah, one very nice feature of ancient Chinese culture was this almost ritualistic way of taking yourself back at the height of your career. Mm. So um, the ancient leaders, they very often, they took an entire year or two years or even three years when, because they knew they were at the height of their power or wealth or fame or whatever it was, and they would voluntarily, without then exposing them, themselves because from an aging perspective where you can sort of foreshadow everything that is at the top will now go down, you preempt that stride by voluntarily lowering yourself and you withdraw uh, from public life or from uh, rather than insisting that it needs to go higher, 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 more, more, more. And so you had uh, government leaders in the past that would in ancient China withdraw to a one, two, three-year retreat. And you have modern practices like that. that I want to uh, recommend to our readers a book um, called Goat Song. We were talking about uh, the Tao of Equus last time. There's wonderful uh, books about these animals that can teach us a lot about ourselves. So Goat Song is a, a, a description of a withdrawal from New York lifestyle and buying a farm in rural Vermont and now raising goats, communicating with the goats, learning from them, writing a, a, a novel or poetry about it and uh, basically leading a pastoral lifestyle uh, and with, you know, being in a life of retreat to rethink what you should be doing with the rest of your life. And I think... Um, that's what I see in most of my patients is that they feel like they're on this hamster wheel and they don't dare to get off. And this is a prescription for a small intestine is dare to get off, especially when the going is good. And on that note, it's time for us to dare to get off the air. <laughs> I'm Laurie Regan. And I'm Heiner Furhoff. Once again, like always, if you're interested in pursuing uh, deeper and professional studies in the realm of natural medicine, including classical Chinese medicine, go to ncnm.edu, the website of the National College of Natural Medicine, or go to classicalchinesemedicine.org, where, by the way, you can also find a marketplace where you can uh, uh, purchase, among other things, a CD I've done with my students called Sacred Chants from four different classical traditions that teach people how to use sacred uh, mantras or chants uh, to cultivate this small intestine function. <laughs>